Hey, great to have you back. You guys are looking good. I noticed some of you coming down here looking, looking good, looking alive. Come on, come on. I want you all to stand to your feet. We're going to read the Word of God together, and we want to honor the Word of God. It'll be on screen behind me so you can follow, but listen as I read this passage from John's Gospel, chapter 2. There was a wedding celebration in the village of Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples were also invited to the celebration. The wine supply ran out during the festivities. So Jesus' mother told him, they have no more wine. Dear woman, that's not our problem. You ever hear that? Not our problem. That's what Jesus replied. And then he said to her, my time or my hour has not yet come. But his mother told his servants, told the servants, do whatever he tells you. Standing nearby, there were six stone water jars used for Jewish ceremonial washing. This was to wash your hands. Each of these jars could hold 20 to 30 gallons, 75 to 100 liters. Jesus told the servants, fill the jars with water. When the jars had been filled, he said, now dip some of it and take it to the master of ceremonies. So the servants followed his instructions, and when the master of ceremonies tasted the water that was now wine, not knowing where it had come from, though the servants did, they, they knew, he called the bridegroom over. He said, a host always serves the best wine first, then when everyone has had a lot to drink, think about that for a minute, everybody's getting to feeling happy. Well, that's when you bring out the less expensive wine, but you've kept the best until now. The miraculous, this miraculous sign at Cana in Galilee was the first time Jesus revealed his glory, and his disciples believed in him. This is God's word. You may have a seat, but let me encourage you to stay in attention, lean in. We're excited to introduce over these next few weeks stories from the life of Jesus. We live in a day where there are some major questions going on about several key things as it relates to life. One of them that's really, uh, especially in Western culture, is the whole issue of identity. Who are we? How, how, um, man, woman, community, what's my identity? And it's directly connected as well to the age-old question, why are we here? Because in Western culture, we've grown up through the schools with teaching that, that in the process of the development of the world and evolution, that we are just another animal in the animal kingdom, okay? We just have cell phones, Okay, but we're animals, and and uh, and it brings into question this whole issue: Are we just here for a few years, and then that's it? We just go back to dust, or, or is there something more? And if there is, because nobody's gone back to dust and then come back to talk about it, if there is more, where's the answers, and how does it affect my future? 
and, and what, what's my value? See, we're back to identity. They're connected. And, and does science have our answers? And if science doesn't, because it doesn't seem that they do, science can't explain why human beings continue to hate each other and to kill one another, and all of the kind of terrible things we read about in the news that happen. We get sick. We have problems. All of those things don't have an explanation in science. So a lot of us look to religion, but then the question is, what religion? Is there one that's better than others? Is there a religion that does have the answers? And if so, which one? And so we want to go on a journey over these next few weeks looking at what we believe is the answer. And it's not a religion. Hello? The answer to identity, the answer to value, the answer to who we are and what we're here for is not found in a philosophy. It's not found in a scientific theory. It's found in a person, the person of Jesus Christ. And so we're, amen. I, I'm waiting, I'm waiting. You guys are not shouting as loud as I'm preaching. Come on. <laughs> so we want to look at the stories of Jesus leading up to the greatest day in history next month, Resurrection Sunday, and discover together some of the answers to those questions that, that we all have. And, and recently, I've, I've had some individuals talk to me about the, the whole issue of prayer and miracles. And, you know, we, we all need to see things happen. And, and things come up where the whole question of our value all of a sudden changes in a moment. Several weeks ago, true story, the worst possible thing that can happen in a plane actually happened. And a plane got up almost to where it was supposed to get to, and unexplainably, it dropped. Nose first, and it was out of control, and it went into way high speed. It was getting ready to crash into the ocean. Maybe you read about this. And they didn't, and, and I haven't read what actually happened, but the pilots lost control. And in that plane, all of a sudden, people were crying out. No matter what their religion or where they came from, they were crying out to God for mercy. They were praying because they thought their life was coming to an end moments later. Now, thankfully, the pilots were able to get control very close before they crashed into the sea. But that, but that moment of terror that none of us want to experience brings the whole question back. If we're just here for a little while, just dust, then why bother? What does it matter? Or is there something more to us that does have great value and purpose? And so in this story today, I, I want to pull out three things that I see that really begin to point us to some of the answers. And we see the whole purpose of faith and prayer and miracle moments. It really is shown to us what they're for here. 
and this whole issue of identity. This is a story about an identity, Jesus' true identity being revealed through a miracle. And those two that I just talked about there are connected to the third one, which is it really gives us some answers together about the way forward in life, about why we're here and our destiny. And it's connected to Jesus' identity and his destiny. So let's unpack it for a few minutes. I love this story. Mary comes to her son. They're in their home area. They probably knew this family. It was right in their neighborhood, okay? They're Keats. Any Berliners out there? Come on. It was their, it was their hood. And, and Mary comes to Jesus and says, they ran out of wine. 21st century people like us would go, so? Go down to Lidl. It's on sale. But there were no Lidl's. And in this culture, this was huge. This would put a mark of shame on this family that could go for generations. It could affect their business. Everyone would know that this happened. So it's a very different crisis. And so Mary tells him they don't have any wine. And he politely says, this isn't my hour to be revealed like it will be at the cross. That's what he was telling her. And the reason I want you to hear this repeated again is she's having a conversation. In fact, it's the only recorded conversation between Mary and her son. Very fascinating. But they're having a conversation and it tells us important things about prayer. It's a conversation. It's not a set of things you learn to repeat with your eyes always closed. It's talking to God about what's on your heart. And Mary asks Jesus to do something about this because they weren't going to fix this in a human way. There was no ability to go and get the wine that was needed. The party would be over. The damage would be done. And when he tells her, this isn't the hour, some of us, if we're having a conversation, would say, okay, God, whatever you say. We got to give up too easy. Because he wasn't really telling her no. And let me not let this is the point of getting this. He couldn't say no to her. Did you hear what I just said? He, he couldn't say no to her, and he can't say no to us for the same reason. I'll tell you why in a moment, but don't miss this. She turns to the servants. I think they were there listening. Says, whatever he tells you to do, do it. I love that. What Mary's saying is, whatever he's going to do next It'll be good, and it'll be the best for this situation. And that's the attitude, can I encourage you, to talk to God about your finances, about your health, uh, about the challenges in your relationships, with your marriage, with your children. Talk to God. You say, yeah, but doesn't God know everything? Doesn't he already know what I'm going through that this past week was, ugh, 
And this coming week doesn't look any better. Doesn't he already know? And the answer is, of course. Jesus already knew the wine was going to run out before Mary would have. But that's not the point. Prayer, listen, prayer's not for God to surprise him. Oh, I didn't know about that from heaven. Are you hearing me? Who's prayer for? Yes, it's for us. God wants us to talk to him about everything. And that kind of leads into the next principle. Someone recently wrote me and said they're struggling with a, a, a health issue that could take their life. And they were honest. They said, I don't feel I deserve for God to answer my prayer. What gives me the right to ask God to touch me when there's so many people suffering in the world? And so we fall into an idea that God is up for hearing us when we have to talk to him about a big thing, but not small things. Because while I'm praying about my neck hurting and I've got headaches, people are pulling their dead family out from under an earthquake in another part of the world. How do I even have the right to come and talk to God? And, when, and if, am, I, am I the only person that's ever thought that? Come on. No, only one. Thank you, Thomas. No, I've got two now. Really? But, but can I encourage you? When you're having that kind of moment of thinking that, remember this story. Because Mary is having a prayer conversation with her son. And, and she says, they ran out of wine. And he's getting ready to do something amazing to reveal his glory. Now, if Jesus were to have asked you and me, if you're going to do something amazing, how about heal a sick person that's got terminal sickness or raise the dead or something, giving more wine for a party? What's the big deal? And there's the point, friends. She asked, he listened, and he answered because she was a delight to him. She was his daughter. Yes, he's the son of God. She was his earthly mother, but she was also a daughter of the king of kings. And all of the people in that party, that wedding party, were sons and daughters of the most high God. Do I need to say what's next? So are each of us here. And so what we learn in this incredible moment is that there is no thing too small that God won't hear. Because you are a son and a daughter, he can't help. He loves you so much. He wants you to tell him what your needs are. He wants you to talk to him and share your heart with him. You know, one of the reasons we don't do that is we're afraid of two things. I, this is me, anyway. If I ask for God to do something, and then it doesn't happen, I'm afraid I won't believe in him, and I'll get discouraged, because I'm asking for something really big. I'm asking him to heal me from something. And nobody in my family ever got healed from that before. It's just part of my health history. And so I don't want to get disappointed with God because I don't know where that could lead. Come on. And the other thing is, 
That's one thing. And then the second one is, I'm afraid he won't answer it the way I want. I have a a need here. I, I want this to work out with my teenager, but I want these three things to happen with this situation. And I'm afraid to ask, because if they don't happen, it's the same thing. I'm still upset again, because God's not listening to me the way I want. And that's where, can I challenge you, because there's not one person in here that doesn't, I don't need to see any hands. I know that's for all of us. See, when you preach to yourself, usually it will cover some others too. Hallelujah. (laughs) But here's the point. Notice, Mary identified a problem. They have no wine. But she left the solution of the problem up to him. She didn't say, Lord, I want you to do this, this, and this. She just said, whatever he says, do it. Boy, there's a lesson there for us when it comes to prayer. Lord, I I believe you want me healthy and strong. I believe you want me to get along with my teenage daughter, that you want to break through some of the things that have gone on here. And Lord, I, I pray that you will do better than I can imagine. I trust you with this relationship. I'm asking you to come and do a supernatural miracle in my marriage, in my finances, in my health. Do you hear what I'm saying? I trust you, Lord, that whatever you do will be better than I can imagine. Imagine. And if you think I'm just talking, what happened here? Mary just said there's a problem. Look what Jesus did. He created the best vintage wine ever made, and not just a couple of little cups to get them through to the end of the party. Did you ever pray for something? Oh, Lord, I just need a little bit of this. Jesus says, ask, and it'll be given. And because she didn't put a limit on it, Jesus said, here's hundreds of liters of the best wine that anyone will ever drink. What a picture of God's way of answering prayer. More than we could ever ask or imagine. There's a lesson there on how to come to him. That's the purpose of faith. That's the purpose of miracles, to stir up faith in him, and it moves us right into our identity as his sons and daughters. When miracles are happening in your life and in mine, it's not because we believe. My kids loved a song, Miracles Happen When You Believe. It's a cool song. But when you hear that, let me say it again, miracles happen when you believe. What I hear is, if I believe, miracles will happen, right? If I believe. But that's not what the way Jesus operates. The miracles are happening. And when I start to believe that they will, I'll start to see the miracles all around me that he's bringing into reality, and my faith will be stirred up like his disciples were. He revealed himself, but he revealed something else. God isn't out to do miracles to impress himself and remind himself of who he is, or even to do us. Well, how do you know that, Steve? Well, look at the story. Who knew about the miracle? Now, John tells us this was the first moment where Jesus revealed his glory. But if you're really out to show your glory, I'm the son, hey, everybody, wouldn't you think when the master of ceremonies was getting ready to drink, 
Jesus would have stepped up on the platform. He goes, wow, calls over the bridegroom, and Jesus said, I did that. Check with the servants. Come on, come on. Anybody want to do an Instagram? Come on, post this thing. None of that. As far as we know, the whole wedding party never found out. We don't know for sure. But here's the point. Miracles aren't just to reveal the glory of God. Of course they do. They're also, don't miss this, they're also just simply done by our gracious Heavenly Father to do good for us, to bless us. It's not wrong to pray for a miracle in your situation. Because here's the amazing thing related to our identity. Because Jesus is being revealed as the Son. He calls himself the way, the truth, and the life. And he doesn't just say it, he demonstrates it. And the best came day after day after this moment. From this moment on, the glory of Jesus began to be revealed in miracles of healing people that had never seen, those that had never had any hearing, those who could never walk or getting up off the ground and walking around. He healed a, a boy that was 12 years old that had died, and they were on the way to bury his body, and he touched the coffin, and the boy came back to life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Every single miracle moving toward revealing the glory of God. And friends, the glory of the Lord is, was demonstrated at the cross. There, Jesus took upon himself your sin, my sin nature, every wicked, evil, black thing that will ever come out of the human heart was nailed to the body of Jesus and crucified, dead and buried with Jesus Christ. And on the third day, God breathed resurrection life back into his body and saved the best miracle for last, a resurrection. And the miracle's not finished. It's not finished. Are you listening? He's not done with miracles. They aren't from the old days. Two things. First of all, he's going to continue to do the best for last through us. He has now called you and I to understand that our identity as his sons and daughters isn't just to receive his blessing, isn't just to receive his miracles. It's to pray and believe that we can become the miracle for our family, for our friends at work, for all of the people that you're going to walk out and encounter this week. I want to challenge you, walk into that classroom, walk into that doctor's office where you work or whatever context and believe that God has put you there to be an anointed servant who can bring miracles through how they speak, how they pray, how they touch others, and be the miracle for the people around you. Jesus said, you will do greater things than I have done. That's the purpose of his church. That's why we gather here, to walk out of here empowered, envisioning how Jesus wants to use your life and mine to touch 
the world around us, a world that hasn't been able to figure out who it is or where it's going, struggling with identity. We know what Mary knew, that we are sons and daughters of the Most High God. We are royalty, kings and priests to serve our God on the earth. We are here to influence and not be influenced. Hallelujah. We are anointed and equipped through the Holy Spirit to speak life into dead things. We are here to bring life in the way that we, our attitudes and our actions are. That's the best for last. But there's one more thing. It gets even better. Come on. Jesus promised not long after this wedding ceremony He went up onto a hill with thousands where, by the way, he fed thousands with one basket of food. But he began to announce to them, and he said, anyone who believes in me, the day will come that I will speak out your name. And if you are dead, physically dead, you will come back to life and see me face to face. So this will be the greatest miracle He's got one more for you. The best is yet to come. And whether we are all still here when he returns or whether it will move on into other generations, friends, his best is for last. He will speak your name. He will speak my name. And we will live again no matter where we are and whether we're still here or we've passed on in Jesus' name. Let me tell you, if you know that, and believe it, it changes everything. <laughs> it changes everything. Well, I had to go to my mother's funeral a few years ago. Those, those moments come. Both my mother and dad knew Jesus. But there was a day that came where we had to say goodbye. But I knew it was just temporary. I know as sure as I'm standing here that I will hug them laugh with them and walk with them and talk with them again in the life to come. It only gets better, friends. And that's the life that he's calling each of you to. And let me tell you, when you have that confidence that the best is still to come, that the the best miracles, the best glory is still out in front of us, it allows you to live with courage. It allows you to live bold and joyful, even when the news isn't good, even when you're facing challenges in your health or in your family situation. He's alive, and so are we, because the best is still to come. He's saving the best for last. Pray with me. Father, I bind the work of the enemy that would seek to confuse us about our identity. The enemy of our souls doesn't want us to realize how blessed we are, how much goodness you have. Father, I thank you for the promise in your word that you withhold no good thing from those who love you. So we invite you, Jesus, Reveal your glory like you did that day at a wedding ceremony. Reveal your glory here among us. Reveal your glory in our families, in our marriages, 
in the places where we live and within each of us. And we thank you that you're doing that and will continue to do it. In Jesus' name.